There's kind of a myth out there that regulating yourself is all about calming yourself down when really regulating yourself is all about creating a space for you to be with whatever is coming up. So in those moments when you're starting to breathe in a in a way and you're starting to get really overwhelmed and feel like you're, I need to calm down, I need to calm down, this is making me anxious. Instead of telling yourself, I need to relax and I need to not feel this way, it's about going, wow, okay, what's happening in my body as I'm breathing? This breathing is not about trying to get myself from overwhelmed to super, super calm. It is for the intention of noticing how my body responds to these things and just allowing them to be here and allowing myself to kind of witness them and using tools to remind myself that I am safe that breathing is okay for me to do, that it is okay for me to sit with this by even just telling yourself that and saying, it's okay for this anxiety to be here. You don't have to calm down. You can feel anxious. You can feel overwhelmed. You're actually teaching yourself how to be able to hold space for more of those emotions, which makes it easier to breathe down the road. We always know what we need. It's just about being able to get behind those layers of all the things that we've been told that we're supposed to think or that we're supposed to do or supposed to be or feel really tapping back into what do I truly need? And it's hard to do that. It's taken me years and I'm still practicing that. Help Me See is a podcast that redefines the word vision through vulnerable and real conversations my own private introspective ramblings about the things that I think about in the wee hours of the morning and my deep core belief that your nothingness is your everything and all you have to do is see. I'm Bianca Mora. I'm your host. I am an educator, a photographic artist, and I believe that your daily photo habit can be the key to unlocking the ability to be more present in your everyday life and live deeper into your intention and purpose. We're not about the small talk here. Grab your coffee, get cozy, and let's talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Help Me See. Today we have a guest on the show, and I'm very excited about it. Um, Malia. Rose is on the show, and I'm going to read a little bit about her right now um, from a bio she sent me. <clears throat> so with over six years of experience in the mental health field, Malia's worked with diverse populations, including those facing severe mental illness, domestic violence, suicide, and grief and bereavement. When she lost her job and became bedridden with chronic illnesses in 2020, she found herself feeling stuck and frustrated with traditional talk therapy modalities. Desperate for relief, she went on a journey of exploring alternative healing methods such as breathwork, nervous system regulation, and somatic practices and found healing that she was unable to find in over seven years of traditional talk therapy and went into remission. After completing her master's in clinical psychology in 2022, she decided to walk away from the conventional therapy system and follow her instinct to guide therapists and wellness leaders on their own transformative paths using the same holistic and alternative healing modalities that helped her transform her mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. Her mission is to foster a revolution of ethical renegades who will pioneer the next wave of embodied, authentic, and connected leaders to cultivate deep change and healing in the world. What a badass. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, it was so exciting talking to Malia because 
everything she was saying, I just felt it. But you know, when you, you're, it's like you're hearing something for the first time being said in that way, but it feels so familiar. I think that's how we know when something is right. Um, and that's what it felt like. Emily and I share this strong commonality in kind of questioning the, the system, the traditional norms and requirements of whatever the system is in place, whether it is in her world or for me, I think about it in terms of like photographic practice and, and all of these areas and how when you're, you can't find what's working for you, turn inward and create your own path. And that is exactly what Malia has done. Uh, we talk about how to begin regulating yourself in times of anxiety and how there truly is like an off and on switch and really the deeper purpose of feeling your feelings and how, like actually how <laughs> to go through it and not just think yourself around the issue you're having um, and how so much is stuck in the body from our past experiences. Uh, this conversation really excited me so much. I I ever so eloquently talked about how it was making my face want to explode because it felt so resonant and so right and so connected to what I feel about my modality of meditation and feeling through things, which is the photographic practice. And if you're listening to this podcast, the odds are you're going to enjoy this conversation. <laughs> so I will not delay any longer. Uh, actually, no, that's why I will delay. If you're interested in having more photo specific conversations around your photographic practice, whether or not you're a professional photographer, go ahead and sign up for photo yoga. The link is in the show notes. It is our Zoom session co-working once a week, free, all meant to come together and either work, talk, edit, uh, whatever, whatever is called for in that specific moment. I like to keep it as loose and free as my photographic practice. And it's really fun. So if you had some, have something that you've been looking to edit that you haven't in forever, or if you just want a sounding board, go ahead and sign up and you'll get the email to the Zoom link on Wednesdays. Also, for the next few weeks, I am opening my books to have complimentary coaching sessions. So basically, if you are a photographic artist that is looking for some support or some connection or just someone to talk to that gets it um, and you need a sounding board of sorts, go ahead and sign up. There's a link in the show notes for that as well. I would love to just genuinely connect. I think these conversations are so important. We always have our own answers and sometimes being able to have a safe space to talk it out is just the ticket and just what what feels good for moving forward and moving through whatever you're contemplating in the season. So if this sounds of interest to you, go ahead and sign up and you will be sent a link from that. Okay. Um, without further ado, here is my conversation with Malia. I am just scratching the surface of like nervous system regulation myself. Yeah. Scratching the surface. So I, I can't wait to bring this conversation to the people that listen to this podcast because um, no doubt they are a sensitive bunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. um, and I feel like, especially for artists, uh, it can be so frustrating to feel this uh, physical... Um, I say like this physical feeling that doesn't make sense logically and impedes their ability 
I mean, that's any human being on earth. I'd say like the most anxiety inducing situations I've been in is not understanding why I feel like I am under attack when I'm in a completely safe situation. I'm like, what's going on here? So I can't wait to dive into this. I would love for you to say a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself and your world. I just read the bio you sent over and I love it so much. I'm like, I wouldn't get rid of a a word. I don't know how she dialed it down by 50%. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I, that was the dialed down version. Oh, it was actually one. I want the full. (laughs) It was actually a novel before. So uh, my, my process is like, just get it all on paper and then just shrink it and shrink it and shrink it. That's how I have to do it with every post. It like takes so long. I'm like, right. But that's that's how I shop, I guess. So put it all in and then decide what I'm taking out. (laughs) Terrible. Terrible. (laughs) Oh, so funny. Oh, so welcome. Tell us a little bit about what you do, your story, whatever feels relevant for you right now. Oh, yeah. Where do I even start? Um, Well, as I was just like writing my bio up for you, I was like, (laughs) I have just so much that has happened in the last like three years of my life. Literally three years ago, I was in bed, bedridden with chronic illness. Um, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and a couple co-infections, Babesia, Bartonella, chronic Epstein-Barr virus. And literally, like, I was so sick. I was in the middle of my graduate school program to become a marriage and family therapist. And I was just kind of honestly hitting this point where I needed something more than traditional therapy and traditional Western education, Western healing. And I went on this whole deep rabbit hole of trying to find ways to heal myself, both physically and emotionally. Um, I was in the place where I was just, I was so sick. I couldn't even like walk across my, my house to the kitchen without my heart rate reaching like 135. And uh, so I was honestly just sitting there stuck in all of my traumas and all of my stuff that was coming up from grad school. And it was just a wild time. So I was like, I was going to a therapist at the time and I realized that it just was not helping me move forward. She was a great therapist and I had been in therapy for six years already and it had saved my life. But I got to this point where I was like, I just need more than that. And I need things, I need tools that are different. And uh, yeah, I went on this really long inner healing, inner transformation journey and ended up realizing that, wow, the things that I found along this journey actually helped me to heal mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually in a way that traditional talk therapy just wasn't doing for me. Um, So that's kind of like the background of where I was three years ago and where I am today. And I run my own business now, basically taking therapists and other wellness leaders through a journey that does not use traditional education um, and helps us bring a little bit more of like a holistic and alternative approach to it because the Western system is missing a lot of that, unfortunately, the systems are. So yeah, (laughs) I think that's kind of a, a good sum up of the last three years of my life and where I am today. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. And what I love so much about that too, is this idea of, I didn't, I was looking for something. I wasn't finding it. I didn't, it didn't exist. So I, I just embarked and I found what works. What would you say is 
what's the thing that started to change and shift? What, what, as you were on that journey of finding what worked for you, because you had, you know, put in the miles and the traditional systems that are given to us, um, and that wasn't working, what started to change as you were going on your own personal journey? Oh my gosh, I have so many directions that I could take this answer in. The thing that really, really, really helped me was to stop trying to find band-aids to the symptoms, to stop trying to find quick fixes, to stop trying to kind of move around the obstacle and rather just like go right on through it. And while traditional talk therapy does that to a degree, um, the tools and the exercises weren't taking me deep enough into that. And I was recognizing that in doing this work, a lot of this work starts and ends with our connection to the body, not to the mind. And so I really went deep into a lot of somatic practices, which means body-based practices, and started working from the inside out and focusing on how the body is influencing the mind. And that's really where things started to drastically change for me. Oh my gosh. It's so hard for me to come to terms with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I do. I love to sit my ass in a room and just think on it all day long. But that (laughs) is exactly the source of what has, you know, given me so much more anxiety over the years. I'd say, only in the last two years have I discovered um, that I'm an HSP. I didn't know what that was before, highly sensitive person. And now just with that knowledge of like being able to substantiate like the physical symptoms I was feeling, I've been able to manage it better. But it's only because I'm able to uh, regulate myself physically. Like I'd be sitting at lunch with like a close friend, great food, comfortable with this person. And all of a sudden I'd be like, I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? There's no reason to be anxious. What is wrong with me? And then the snowball effect would happen. And now I'm like, oh, the lighting in here is weird and it's really loud. I need to move myself to a place where I feel safer. So it's Mm -hmm. like, ah, when it's so easy to like jump on that snowball and tumble down that hill away from your physical self, like what, what are some of the things, like what is going through it? You said, instead of finding band-aids, you know, going through it and really tapping into yourself and your body. What does that look like? What did that look like for you? Yeah, well, I, right as I was hearing you say that, like the first thing that came to mind is the fact that you were even aware of how you were feeling anxious in the first place and how your your mind started taking to all these places. But really like what that comes down to is you're like, I'm in a safe environment. I'm with a safe person. I have nothing to be quote unquote anxious about. And what's happening is there's something that's physiologically happening in your body. And this is something that I teach a lot about right now. And I just uh, just created this whole self-paced course on helping people to do this, but it's all about regulating your nervous system. And this system that's basically within your body that is completely automatic, completely unconscious, that we're not aware of, that is being activated and sensing threats in our environment um, without us recognizing what it is picking up on. So like even the fact that you said um, the lights and like the music, the fact that you were able to kind of pinpoint what that was is amazing. A lot of people have no idea what is actually triggering that thing. <clears throat> and, um, you know, the first thing to do when you are going into your body, and this is why, you know, I have a lot of things that are coming up and a lot of things I'm going to be walking people through in the future of my business. But 
I knew I needed to start with nervous system regulation because it is so hard to go into the body when going into the body triggers an automatic unconscious threat that triggers your nervous system and makes you feel unsafe, which just makes us disconnect from the body more. So the first thing to do is to learn how to actually regulate your nervous system so that you physiologically feel safe to go inward and to actually sit with those feelings and to be there. And actually that is part of the work and that, you know, even just doing this nervous system regulation work is sitting with the body and learning how to find physical ease um, and create more of like a container for your body to hold these really intense and sometimes overwhelming emotions that we are purposely trying to disconnect from. Um, and it just helps us to tolerate them a little easier. So the first thing that comes up for me, as you say that, is I think that for so long, I have blanketed the whole somatic, whenever I hear somatic, so much of the first layer of what I hear, especially in like meditation, or whatever is about the breath. And for me, that first layer of we'll focus on the breath immediately triggers me worse because I'm like, well, if I'm, I can't breathe right. I can't, I feel like I'm sipping from a straw. I can't, I can't. And then like focusing on the breath actually worsens it. And I'm now beginning to understand there are so many other ways to, to broach that. Um, but what, and this also reminds me of how you're talking about essentially like in unlearning. And that's something that I believe is like the first layer of even getting the help you need is unlearning what you think you know about, about this world. So what would you say to someone who is like, well, I can't breathe or I can't meditate. Um, it makes it worse. So this is not for me. Uh, what do you say to someone with those thoughts? Yeah, that is such a great question. And I hear it happen all the time. So I think that one of the hard parts about this is that a lot of people go into breathing and into these exercises um, with the intention of trying to calm themselves down. And actually that is pretty counterintuitive to what the practice actually is. So when we're trying to breathe and we're doing these exercises, the intention isn't to calm ourselves down. You may have heard this about like regulation or co-regulation. Like there's kind of a myth out there that regulating yourself is all about calming yourself down when really regulating yourself is all about creating a space for you to be with whatever is coming up. So in those moments when you're starting to breathe in a, in a way, and you're starting to get really overwhelmed and feel like you're, I need to calm down. I need to calm down. This is making me anxious. Instead of telling yourself, I need to relax and I need to not feel this way. It's about going, wow. Okay. What's happening in my body as I'm breathing. This breathing is not about trying to get myself from, you know, overwhelmed to super, super calm. It is for the intention of noticing how my body responds to these things and just allowing them to be here and allowing myself to kind of witness them and using tools to remind myself that I am safe, that breathing is okay for me to do, that it is okay for me to sit with this. And by even just telling yourself that and saying, it's okay for this anxiety to be here. You don't have to calm down. You can feel anxious. You can feel overwhelmed. You're actually teaching yourself how to be able to hold space for more of those emotions, which makes it easier to breathe down the road because all of a sudden your body goes, oh, it's okay to be anxious. And then when it's like, oh, I'm allowed to be anxious. I'm allowed to feel this way. 
your body just instantly over time starts to go, I'm allowed to be this way. And your nervous system automatically starts to downregulate. I feel like my face is going to explode. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm like, oh my God. I did this. There was like an explosion in my brain as you were talking. Because it makes the way you just explained it makes so much fucking sense to me. Um, it's basically how it went to me. The extreme parallel, totally different world, but like same conversation is when I'm talking to photographers about like, if they're wanting to create powerful photographs or if they're wanting to create a powerful experience, don't look at the goal. The goal is not to make a powerful photograph. It is to be with and be okay and honor what is and give it room to breathe and trust that that's here to show you something. So I'm like, my brain is like fritzing right now. That is so mm -hmm. exciting for me to hear. Um, okay, there's a million yeah. questions. Um, so. So one of the questions that came to mind was I have this weird phenomenon uh, that happens and I've tried to share it with others. And oftentimes I'm met with blank faces, but I'm curious if you understand what I'm saying. Sometimes when I'm intentionally acknowledging that I want to feel my feelings, I don't know if I'm, I can't tell if I'm feeling my feelings or thinking about the story of my feelings. I don't know if that makes sense. But that's something that happens for me as I'm trying to efforting at doing the thing that I think is going through it. So sometimes I feel like I have the concept, but the actual execution of like regulating myself, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm missing the mark almost in a weird way. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess on, along that same line, it's, you know, the value of tapping into yourself and trusting um, yourself over these band-aid situations and really going there um, with it. How how have you found that access point or that point of entry? Or is there an example that you would want to share about what this looks like in your real life or in your healing process? Yeah. Um, first of all, such a great question because we all hear these things about like, well, you're supposed to feel your feelings and we're supposed to be with our feelings and do all this stuff. And it can actually trip a lot of people up. Like people are like, I know this might, I get this all the time. People are like, I know this might be a silly question, but how do I do that? Like, how do I actually feel them and process them and release them? And something that I heard you say is that you are in your, you know, kind of in your story. You're like, I'm trying to differentiate between like, am I feeling this or am I just in the story of this? And, um, you are basically in what is the Western traditional space of trying to feel your feelings, which is our mind logically trying to make sense of things. So when you're trying to feel your feelings and you have this story coming up, you're basically in your head ruminating about the story, which we think is actually going to help us feel our feelings. What is underneath that is the sensations in our body when we think about that story. So figuring out how can I, you know, pay attention to what I'm thinking about and go, oh gosh, I'm in my head okay, noted. How can I drop into my body right now? And what am I feeling? Am I feeling tightness in my belly as I'm thinking about the story? Are my hands clenching up? Is my jaw tightening? Am I shrugging and tightening my shoulders? Am I, is my heart starting to race? Like That is when <clears throat> those physical sensations come up. And that is how you differentiate between a thought or a story and an emotion or a feeling. 
because feelings are always in the physical body and thoughts and stories are always in the mind. Goodness. Again, I'm just going to carry this metaphor through. I'm thinking about when you're in a session, you're not in your camera being like, are they, I'm using the rule of thirds and am I properly exposing? And you're feeling like, it's like when I'm in the flow state of shooting, it's very much uh, Charlie Brown, like wah, 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 wah. All the other senses dull because it's just an orchestra that's happening and you're just very intuitively moving with it. So it's like really being okay with letting, and I guess that's why flow state is possible is when you're able to let go of like the narratives and like that monkey brain or whatever they call it, um, which is how you're able to access that. How, uh, and what did they say? How long does it take you to process an emotion? It's a very short time, right? If you're actually feeling it. Yeah. If you're actually feeling an emotion in your body, like an emotion physically lasts in your body for only about 90 seconds or so. So Mm -hmm. when we're actually go into our body and we can feel that, you know, there may be, one emotion that comes up and you feel that for 90 seconds. And then there be maybe another emotion that comes up and that's 90 seconds. But like, so they can layer and there can be multiple emotions that you're feeling through and working through. But really it's only about 90 seconds that if you actually go in and feel the physical sensations and just breathe into it and say, I'm okay to be feeling this. This is okay for me to be experiencing this. This doesn't have to go away. I'm going to just be with this and I'm going to breathe and I'm going to tell myself that I'm safe the emotion is actually felt and released. And this happens in layers. So unfortunately we can't just go in and feel one feeling and like, we don't ever have to feel it again. (laughs) But you know, when that arises, um, yeah, just reminding yourself that like, this is going to pass. This is not permanent and it's okay. And I'm safe in this moment to experience this. And I love how you're applying it back to shooting on a camera Mm -hmm. and being in like the art and the creative field, because I truly believe that our best work of art and our best creative juices and our best work comes from being 100, I shouldn't say 100% because that's, you know, that's setting up expectations, but being as present and deeply present and in touch with the way that our body is leading over our mind. Um, And the way to do that is by allowing all sorts of feelings and fears and self-doubts and anxieties to be there. And saying, it's okay for you to be here. I'm still going to be in this body. I'm not going to disassociate from these feelings. And I'm going to trust that my body still knows how to best get this shot, how to best set up this couple so that they look perfectly, how to catch Mm -hmm. that best light. Because our body is always, our body always knows. And our, the language of our body and the wisdom of our body is our primary language. Like we come into this world, we are born into this world without logical language. We don't have a language that we can verbally speak. We speak through eye contact. We speak through reaching or pulling away from somebody, or, you know, we speak through crying or laughing or smiling. And as we get older, the things that we learn, the things that we hear, the things that we see, it just kind of separates us more and more and more from this body wisdom that we carry with us. And it, it is a skill that we can pick back up and it actually can come back up super easily when you just have the tools to do so. Oh my gosh. I lied to you before this. I told you we don't have to relate everything back to art and I am doing it. 
I love, well, you know, my dad is an artist. I grew up in the art home. Yeah. My dad is an oil painter, a landscape painter. And, you know, I started my business from like writing from my body, like letting my body write, for example. And that's how my business started. So art is my world and creativity is my world and flow state, like being able to get into that, I think is our purpose. Whatever that Mm. it, whether it makes you money or not, like being able to Mm. just step into that and let your body flow and be creative and express itself however it wants to be created. Like that is our purpose on this planet. And everybody has a different way of expressing that. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think we're all, we're all artists of our own lives. Even if we don't self-identify as creative or whatever, we all are. I believe that inherently. Um, And for me, like photography is my my wellness modality like that is the soapbox that I'm choosing to stand on is how this that like photography is a portal to presence and it is a way to get there and for me it's honestly the only at this point in my life it is the only surefire way for me to enter peace and deep presence is like through holding that physical object it is the way to be able to commune with my subconscious and like I I just see and like it's like I'm on drugs or so I don't even know what it's like to be on drugs but it feels like I'm on drugs because it's like it's not uh it, I see like n- <laughs> like I'm so present but I also see in like 47 different layers at once once it's happening once I'm in in that place and I think that um even when we talk about uh for non-photographers just for people in general like the idea of being okay with what is and putting down the facade of what is picture worthy and what is not that creates anxiety this idea of like why can't you be present and um put down your camera and just be with me having lunch and not take a picture of your food yes there's uh there's some grain of truth to that but at the but what is it that the intention is like if we really think about the idea of this impulse to capture something forever that feeling that arises in you that's like oh this I want to savor this. Like that is a a gratitude practice. That is an acknowledgement. That's like deepening your awareness and your engagement, like in a present moment, um, if you're fostering that relationship with it in that way. So uh, what is a way of in your, so for me, this is the holding a camera. So for you, and since you're so centered in this world, what does that look like for you as a daily practice and not, as an emergency help myself? Like, what does that look like for you in a consistent way of feeling, feeling your way through it? Um, are you talking about in a creative sense or just in any way, just like finding your equilibrium and um, using somatic practices to just keep yourself regulated. I feel like I'm guilty of only looking to those tools when I'm in like almost an anxiety <laughs> attack, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. I call photography a photographic practice because I don't see a difference between you know a professional photo session and like the photos I take on my phone like it's it's the same for me um so what would that be for you yeah that's a really really great question so um first of all the first thing that comes to mind is kind of touching back on what you said earlier about how when you're like well when I go to sit down and breathe and I want to breathe then I get anxious and it's like doesn't work for me you know, people think that like meditating is the way to like calm yourself. But in reality, everything that you just described to me is meditation. 
you don't have to sit down and breathe to meditate. You don't have to sit in one place and just focus on your breath and not do anything else to be practicing, you know, getting behind the mind, what is how I like to call it. Um, and I practice this in, you know, I do meditate a, for a very long time every single morning, but I also will put on music and I'll just dance around my home. And I just, I really let my mind to turn off and I start moving. I let my body move for me. I do that every single day, uh, sometimes multiple times a day. I do a lot of just stretching. I go on long walks. I go and lay a blanket in the grass. I um, intentionally drink a cup of coffee uh, or decaf coffee because I actually don't drink caffeinated coffee. It's not good for my nervous system, but um, I sing, I play guitar, I play piano. I will call a friend. Like there are so many different ways that if you are intentional about the way that you're doing it, it can be a meditative practice and it can be regulating for your nervous system. The times where that is not happening for me is when you know, I go on my walk and I bring my phone with me and somebody's texting me and I'm, you know, kind of, I'm distracted. And there's a difference between like pulling out your phone and taking a photo. If you can be intentional about that. I struggle with that sometimes because I will get distracted when I check my phone or pull out a camera, but like not everybody is that way. And so I really just try to be intentional of, can I do this fully presently? Can I do this without having to bring music or bring something distracting with me on my walk. Or maybe when I am playing on my piano and singing, I am not focusing on, you know, I guess I I keep coming back to my phone because that's been something I struggle with running a business on my phone. Um, It's very distracting, (laughs) but yeah. Did that answer your question? Yeah. I just love being able to part of that situation to me it's something that I've been working on um restructuring my days um so that I'm not running on empty here and uh, one of my coaches Haley she she talks about like coming from the goal and the strategy under the strategy meaning like what are the things that are when things are just flowing when things are going right what are those things that you're doing like it's not you know something that's a checkbox in terms of um you know, a physical something that you're doing for someone else or a commitment. It's like anything. It's like going for a walk on the beach. It's, it's coloring an adult coloring book, whatever. Like it's those things that may seem frivolous or like an extra that shouldn't be a reward for working. It should be the thing that comes before because it makes everything else easier. Um, and it kind of helps you come from this place of abundance and rather than deficit and like working towards like you know, I will do that when I have time. I will do that, you know, when I get X, Y, and Z done. Um, so I really love this like spaciousness that it, it feels like when you're talking about, I meditate for a decent amount of time in the mornings. Um, I dance. I really like, like to set myself up for putting my mind in the, you know, on the back burner there with that. Um, when you're talking about going for walks, I think to myself, like, is it okay that I'm like listening to my audiobooks on my walks? Is that, is that, <laughs> Absolutely. So the reason that I don't personally or you know and not to say I don't I love doing that and I notice when my mind does need a break from that because I do consume so much I'm listening to trainings, I'm listening to coaches, I'm listening to podcasts, 
I am speaking about things. I'm writing about things. I'm reading about new things. I'm taking, you know, certification programs. Like I digest a lot of information. And so I know when it's like, this is time to go on a walk without anything. And other times I'll be like, this is the perfect time to listen to this training while I go on a walk. So it really just Mm -hmm. depends. There is this incredible, maybe we could put this in your show notes, but there's an incredible, incredible, incredible Ted talk called the seven types of rest. And it changed my life. It truly changed my life. Uh, There's like social rest, emotional rest, mental rest, physical rest. And basically there's, there's a couple more. I can't remember exactly what they are, but basically what I took from that is when people are like, oh, well, I'm resting. I'm watching a movie. In reality, you actually might not be needing that type of rest where you think that like sitting down and watching a movie is going to help you recharge when in reality you need what is called mental rest and getting more uh, stimuli from the TV or from audiobooks or from something like that. It's actually exhausting your mental body. Mm. So it was a really interesting video um, and a really interesting Ted talk that just basically helped me to see, wow, the ways that I've been thinking I'm resting is actually making me more tired. So incredible, incredible TED talk. Oh my goodness. That is incredible. I think I, I mean, I already know I can gain so much from that. I'm, I'm super hermit introvert. And I know that most of the time when I'm going to work, I, I physically have to shut down my senses and they go into my basement. I have to call it my back cave, which is like in all black. Like the only thing that's on is like my screen. Um, but I do, I, I don't think I've ever put words to it, but there are times where I'm like, I cannot read another book. I need to watch like I love Lucy or some like nostalgic comfy TV because I need to be comforted in that way. Um, but yes. And then there are days where I'm like, I cannot put a screen in front of my face anymore. And being able to delineate between that is so imperative because the, the panic that is ensues when you're going to do your thing to help yourself and you're not feeling better. It's like, Oh, what? You know, I'm trying to do the thing that I thought would help and it's not helping. So that can feel like more of an emergency. So, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yes, we'll put that in the show notes. And one of the things that keeps coming up for me is um, how these myths and how important it is to unlearn what we've learned to be true, like gospel up until this point, you know, because obviously there is so much value in talk therapy. Obviously there's so much, there's a reason why it has become such a, you know, structural, you know, lighthouse. But what do you think is that the point in which we can find our own personal wisdom and empowerment and, and know when it's time to kind of look away um, and find our own way? Because for me, uh, when I, when I'm thinking about the photographic practice and the fact that I went to college for my degree, it's like, I don't regret it. I love learning so much. But I do not believe that I, I I needed that. And I believe that at a certain point, those structures and those systems and those rules um, can be harmful when you don't understand when there's the point to turn inward for your own wisdom over the rule. Um, I just, I, I know there's no black and white here, but maybe you can talk about a little bit your own journey and your own personal reflections on that. Yeah. And again, there are so many different directions I could go in this, but the first thing that comes up for me is, you know, when we're born into this world, kind of like I was talking about with that, like the primary language being of the body, we know what we need 
from the moment we're born. Like we just do. And we know how to uh, physically express those needs through our body. And as we have gotten older and as we start hearing stories, watching the news, parents, teachers, peers, coworkers, um, societal expectations, gender roles, like there's so many things that our brain is unconsciously picking up and storing and categorizing into this is the right way or this is the wrong way. And as we move forward, we start to externalize and think that things outside of us know better than we do. When in reality, we know, we always know what we need. It's just about being able to get behind those layers of all the things that we've been told that we're supposed to think or that we're supposed to do or supposed to be or feel and really tapping back into what do I truly need? And it's hard to do that. And it took, it's taken me years and I'm still practicing that. But when you learn how to have these tools of, you know, regulating your nervous system, knowing how to be present in your body, knowing how to recognize when it is external thoughts and external feelings, um, and not actually yours. That's a tricky one, but it's, you know, it's something that it, it has changed my entire life. But when you learn how to unlearn those things that you've been taught and tap back into your body, that is when everything starts to change. Like when I started doing this work and I truly believe that, you know, I believe that my chronic illness found me because I needed to learn this and I didn't have a choice except for every day to sit with all the things that was in my mind. I couldn't go on a walk. I couldn't go and just cook something. I couldn't pick up my guitar. Like all of those things that we talked about that helped me regulate my nervous system. I had, I couldn't do them anymore. Literally all I could do was just lay on the couch and stare at the ceiling. Like even watching movies sometimes was too much. Like I was so exhausted. I couldn't even like nothing. And it was one of the most challenging times in my entire life. But what it did was it taught me how to look at the thoughts and the feelings that I had and start to differentiate. Is this mine? Where did I learn this? Where did I pick this up? Where did this come from? When was the first memory I had of this? And I started to really sift through these things because I didn't have those distractions, because I couldn't just get up and go, you know, take a walk and, and, and not saying that you shouldn't because all those things are great. But my chronic illness, I believe, found me so that I could learn this on a very, very, very deep level that I would not have been able to learn had I been in graduate school and been working two jobs and had a social life and been exercising and doing all the things that like I was doing before I became bedridden with chronic illness. And um, now I feel like I finally learned how to do all of those things that I can teach people in a way where they don't have to be bedridden with chronic illness to learn them. But just starting to question like, and, and, and it takes practice and I still work through this every single day, but just starting to question like, where is this thought coming from right now? Where did I learn this thought? Who, like, where did I genuinely learn this from? And every single time, if you can tap into your body and be like, where is this coming from? What is the first memory I have of this? There will always be a time in your life that you can think back to and recognize when that first came about. And you just start to kind of piece these things together. And you're like, this isn't even true. Mm. It's not even true. Mm. This is so interesting because it's reminding me so much of right now. I'm in an NLP certification. Yeah. And my 
coach, she had gotten into the work when she had was bedridden with chronic fatigue syndrome. And so it's just so there's so many through lines and and what you're sharing right now and and her story and like where I find myself in this work. And it's funny because I ironically uh, have like an infamously bad memory. And I I was doing an NLP process on like this immense fear of disappointing people. And they're like in during the process, it's like, go back to the very first time you ever had this experience. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Like. I was like, there's no way I don't remember anything. And all of a sudden I'm at recess in like second grade. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And it made so much sense. Like this Mm -hmm. stupid, like seemingly insignificant instance in which I hadn't given a thought to since didn't realize it was still an active memory. And I'm like, it makes so much sense that that is where that originated. And I cannot believe I'm still living it right now. Um, And just being able to see it weakens it, you know, just seeing that weakens the hold of it because you're like, Oh, I see like you have a little bit more, a lot more compassion for yourself. You're like, Oh, I was so young. Like it makes me emotional. I'm like, I was so sad, which it wasn't even a super traumatic situation, but apparently it was in my little body because Mm -hmm. I kept that belief for so long. Um, And being able to like recognize these things is is the biggest, is the biggest step. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then recognizing like, you know, we get to that point and it's like, who am I behind all those things? Mm -hmm. Who am I behind all of those stories behind all those experiences? And it's like, it's kind of an abstract like topic to think about, but like Mm -hmm. really genuinely you are, like everything and nothing <laughs> behind those yes. stories, <laughs> yes. you know? Yeah. And it's like, you start to realize yeah. that you, you, we've just been kind of conditioned and primed to believe and think and feel in certain ways. And then we start to question ourselves when we don't feel and think and behave in a way that we are told we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, that's when it can start to feel really challenging because we start looking outside of ourselves for things outside of us to tell us what we need to be doing or feeling or thinking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And really the goal is to come back inward and trust that you can start to just slowly just get curious about the things that you feel, the things that you learn and be like, where did I learn this about myself? Where did I, where did, when did I first feel this way? And really allowing yourself to just kind of put those pieces together of, wow, I literally learned everything that I feel. And, uh, yeah. And even just becoming aware of it is unlearning it. And I think it, it's, uh, that point is probably the most painful part point in, in my experience, at least, you know, they say, what is it called? It's like ignorant, unaware, like unskilled, unaware, uh, aware, unskilled, skilled, aware, unaware, uh, unaware, skilled. So it's like that mastery, like you go from like completely ignorant to something, to knowing that you don't know, to consciously like being able to execute, but then modeling it, like living it. And I think the most painful part is that second part where you're like, I just see so many operations, like I see what's not working, but I don't, I haven't mastered the tools to be able to help myself, but I'm so painfully aware of all of the ways in which this is not working. And I know, like I can, 
understand cognitively that I am not serving myself, but like getting yourself out of, out of that and being able to slowly implement it's a, I feel like that's the longest part really. Yes. And so here's the part where I feel like traditional talk therapy, you know, even NLP, NLP is amazing. Like, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But mm-hmm. I think that the part that's missing from all of those is this body-based feeling mm-hmm. because people will go back and think about it and be like, oh, I remember that time on the playground. And like, no wonder it makes sense logically. Mm-hmm. But what we don't, what, what a lot of us need to learn is that when we have an emotional experience, when we experience something, you know, that's painful, like what happened on the playground when you were in second grade, that isn't something that's stored in our mind. That is actually a feeling that is stored in our bodies. And so rather than going back and just being cognitively aware of, oh, that's interesting. I totally remember that part of me on the playground, having compassion, noticing all that so great, but can you take it a step deeper and Mm. go back into that second grade part of you and be in her body and kind of feel those feelings and tell that version of you that it's okay. And like, feel that in the physical sensations of your body rather than just the story. So how can we take it one level deeper and start going, Mm -hmm. what is my body physically doing as I'm thinking about the story? Again, is my stomach clenching up? Are my hands tightening up? Am I shrugging my shoulders? Am I, is my heart racing? Because whatever you're feeling right now in that moment, physically is what you experienced back then. And your body is carrying it with you. Mm. Oh my goodness. It's groundbreaking. Is this, is this the um, type of like curriculum and just thought process that you have in your program right now? Yes. So can you share a little bit about, about this and about like what that looks like in your pro we'd love, I'm sure everyone wants to hear more about this. Yeah, absolutely. So my program that I have right now that I just released is called Regulated. And it's all about regulating your nervous system. And basically what's happening, which we've talked about a little bit, is our brain is constantly scanning for all these things. And we start having these memories or we start having these thoughts and these feelings. And what is happening is our body, you know, our mind and our body are directly connected. Um, I won't go too much into it, but there's a there's a nerve called the vagus nerve that connects your brain to your stomach and to your gut. And basically it just sends messages throughout the entire body. So when you have an anxious thought, for example, what's happening is it goes down this, you know, into your nervous system and through your body and your, your heart starts to race, your muscles start to tense up. And a lot of people aren't even aware that this is happening. And they're like, I feel all this anxiety and I don't know what it is. And they try to think about how they're safe. They try to think about, I need to think a different thought. I need to be you know, tell myself that I'm safe, but really our body is physiologically carrying this. So my program is teaching tools that are, you know, scientifically proven to help basically turn that switch off so that you can come back into your body to become aware of what's happening and to regulate yourself using these scientific tools um, through body awareness and somatic awareness. And uh, yeah, it has been phenomenal. I had somebody yesterday reach out to me and told me that she she wasn't able to drive for five years because she got into two car accidents in a really short period of time. And she didn't trust herself to drive her car. And she just met, sent me a message the other day that said that she drove her car for the first time in five years. Yeah. Um, this other woman that I 
uh, since she started working with me and we were doing this work, she stopped having seizures. She used to have 12 seizures a week and she's stopped having, I think she's had one seizure in the last like year and a half. It's absolutely mind boggling. Like our body carries so much and it's, you know, even just people who are like messaging, I got another message yesterday of somebody who went through the program and was like, I finally feel how to be with my emotions and how to express them in a way that feels really safe. And that feels really, you know, that doesn't feel overwhelming. And I have these tools I can come back to like, these tools are so simple, but I went through an entire master's degree and didn't learn a single freaking thing about any of this. I had to go and learn this on my own. Mm. I had to go and get extra certifications. I had to go and get Mm. extra education. Like these are things that every single person who's in the health and wellness industry need to know for their Mm -hmm. clients, for themselves, because it's not taught and it's really expensive to go and get taught it. And there's Mm -hmm. honestly a lot of things that you know, you could go get certified in it, but there's so much science and so much detail in it. That's like, you know, it's not necessary for the basics. Like all you really need to know is a good overview of the basics and how your nervous system works and how you literally have an on and off switch for anxiety. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's one of the best things I've ever created. I'm obsessed with it. (laughs) I love Mm -hmm. it. It has just been changing people's lives already. People who have only been four days in are just saying how they've had like life-changing breakthroughs. And um, it is just one of the, it's one of the things that I feel so grateful for that I had to go through my chronic illness journey and learn how to regulate my nervous system because I would have never learned about this, this stuff. And this is, this is what traditional talk therapy and NLP and all these mm-hmm. other mind-based mm-hmm. um, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful techniques and tools and modalities Mm -hmm. but it is what they're missing. And this is, I believe the key to actually making lifelong breakthroughs and, Mm -hmm. and deep healing. So, Oh my gosh. That's so incredible. I'm so stoked about this. I can't even tell you. And I, 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 I have very similar feelings around, like, I can't believe the institutions that are created and revered and like the degrees that are, missing such massive holes it's like massive. they're amazing but what like it's like archaic massive. it's like it's not what is this not getting uh you know updated i remember when i went to college i as a photo photography major was not able to minor in graphic design i wasn't allowed but a graphic designer could minor in photography i'm like who is making these rules right. <laughs> like these arbitrary rules are like someone that's deciding that these somatic practices are not required to get this degree you know so as much as i you know appreciate and i love education it's just there is just so much more there's so much room and i'm so grateful for people like you that are coming into spaces and really like breaking it wide open and being like here. You know, I, there's like a part of me that like, you know, I'm just going to say it. Um, I haven't actually like said this publicly yet, but Mm -hmm. this is something that I really truly believe to be true. And there are incredible therapists and nurses and doctors and, and chiropractors and people with huge hearts who want to help people. But the system is leaving these things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the system yeah. is not helping people. The The system is broken. 
Mm-hmm. And we have yeah. all of these incredible humans coming in and paying a ton of money to learn the skills that the system is teaching us. And the system isn't equipping us with the things that are actually going to help people heal. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It, it's very, it's one of the reasons why I left the mental health field because I just saw, you know, I talked with other therapists who asked their supervisors if they could, you know, bring in somatic work and if they could bring in nervous system regulation and their their supervisors literally like poo-pooed it. And this is because we're not taught these things, but this is, this is the way of the future. And I truly believe that the system will change to start incorporating more of these things. Um, hopefully while we're still alive, (laughs) but, and if not, like people are going to start leaving the system and working with people who do know these practices because, the, the traditional therapy route and the traditional things while they are so, 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 so helpful. They only take you so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how, when you were explaining it originally, you were just like, Death, this is wonderful, but let's take it another step deeper and like go into the body and feel it from there because it's so yes. easy to be like, Oh my God, I had this aha moment. That's what it is. Okay. And then like move forward. It doesn't stick. And it doesn't stick. Yes. And there are definitely times in which it doesn't stick. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like seeing it is huge, but Mm -hmm. feeling it, you know, it's funny. It's making me think about like sometimes when I'm taking a picture, uh, there's, there's times at which I want, I feel that extra urge to like savor something so much that I'll think like, what is it about this? Like not often, but like there's, I, I took a course with um, uh, Joy Proudy and um, she's a photographer and it was a, it was a heart on like mindset or a class on mindset and the heart and in your practice. And she talked about how imprinting like a, a negative emotion is like this and a positive one. I even forget it was 30 seconds or something. It takes to like imprint something positive. Sometimes when I'm taking pictures of my own kids, um, I'll be looking in the frame and really deliberately feeling like, what is it about what I'm looking at? Like, is it his sticky hands? Is it Like, I really try to drive myself to like focus and study and be in something more physically um, uh, and to help myself drink it in more. So um, I love how this work is kind of giving me more language around some of these impulses I've had because of like my own innate wisdom that I didn't know was something like this. That's what I've loved so much about the NLP work that I'm just starting to like get under my whatever wings here now is that it's, it's so much of what we already know. It's unconscious that we're just making it conscious. So, um, Oh gosh, there's just so much. I could talk about this forever. Oh, is there anything else that you feel is like super present for you that you want to say anything left um, on the table that you want to throw out there. Um, we're going to put all of the information on your, um, your course and your program, your, your website in the show notes, but is there anything else, Malia, that you wanted to share today? Yeah. Uh, this is kind of random, but it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how, um, you were saying, you know, do I have time to go on this walk? Do I have time to do these things? And I think that they're something that radically changed my life, especially when I was chronically ill, that that period of my time of my life was just really transformative in so many ways. Um, because I couldn't do those things, I really learned how to savor 
what I could in the mundane, ordinary tasks. So rather than being like, oh, I will go on a walk after I finish these dishes, or, you know, even I'll go on a walk before I do these dishes. What if you bring that sense of savoring and presence to doing the dishes and feeling Mm -hmm. the suds on your hands, the warmth of the water on your skin, the smell of the soap, like, and allowing that to be a moment where you can actually take some time for yourself because we see all these things as like, well, after I go get my car washed and after I do the dishes and after I go and run these errands, like how can you bring the sense of being present and breathing and just like soaking up this moment because that really truly is all we have. And if we're putting off you know, or if we're, if we're waiting until we can go on a walk or color in a coloring book or, you know, take a bath or something like that to enjoy things, you know, you're yeah. missing out on 95% of your life. Right. That's so 100%. Right. that was just something that kind of came up that, that really helped me to just be like, you know, I laid in bed for months and months and months at a time. And I was like, I just, I would, I would do anything to do something different. <laughs> anything. I was like, I'm so done laying in my bed. And I started to just, you know, I would light a candle and I would just bring a fuzzy blanket up and I would feel that fuzzy blanket on my face as if it was the first time that I'd felt anything, you know, like I just really dropped into what I had in that moment. And now like when I do wash dishes, like I'm just like so present in those feelings because that was something I missed. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, just bringing just bringing that your five senses into everything that you do, smelling things, seeing things, looking at the vibrancy of the colors, feeling the textures on your skin, like just soaking up every single moment. Otherwise, it's going to be too late and you're going to wish that you were present throughout all of it. So, oh, my goodness. I I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> I think I started this conversation with saying my face is going to explode and I'm ending it like that as well. I am just so grateful that you're here talking to us. I can't wait to stay, you know, up to date with your world. Um, um, uh, Malia's on Instagram. I'll put everything in the show notes. Thank you so, so much. I already can't wait to have you back if you'll have me. And <laughs> 100%. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Malia. If you enjoyed this episode and want to get in on actual conversations with me, join the Help Me See podcast private Facebook group. Every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern time, I'll be hopping on live for Q&A on the latest episode and for free consulting if you need a bit of help thinking about ways to save your memories. Did you get something out of this episode? I really, really, really hope you did. And I would love to hear from you. I'm on a mission to empower you to feel peace knowing that you are not missing your life. One of the best ways that you can support me is leaving a review. And honestly, I'd rather hear about the memory you saved because of this podcast rather than any kind of accolade. Tell me how this podcast has impacted you. And one, I'll probably cry. (laughs) And two, I'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Take a minute and head out to to the link in the bio to write a review now on the podcast.